Today, we devote the next half hour to theology. And a little something extra you didn't expect. This is Lanyap Theology. Welcome back to Lanyap Theology. This is Dr. Dave Delio from the University of Holy Cross. I am Professor Todd Amick. And we are back again with uh, that theology show with a little something extra. Um, This week we are going to be talking about the second movement of the Mass, or the second part of the Mass. Last week we began with the introductory rite, and we I, we I thought it was a really fascinating show how we walked through not only do you know what are we doing in our situational awareness, not only doing to prepare for mass, but then who are we? Who are we as human beings, as human persons, preparing ourselves, getting ready, being a part of it, and recognizing a who we are in our wholeness, in other words, our brokenness, but also the great graces and and, and the natural goodness that we have. So this week we're going to be talking about the liturgy of the Word, and um, there is so much to unpack in this show. It's going to be an action-packed half hour, um, and, uh, you know, Todd, you're going to be carrying the ball, and, uh, and I'm going to be adding in where I, um, there's just certain key elements that I think for theological awareness, for again, this is the theme of what we've been doing for the last few weeks, is how do we become aware during these, um, during these moments, especially these moments during Mass. Right. The, the first three steps, we perceive so that we can understand, so that we can decide, is this true, is this false? Can I truly offer the, the amen? Right, a Hebrew word meaning that it is so. Right. That I am making a, a truth claim here. I'm not saying it's not. I'm not going through the motions. I'm saying it is so because of two things. One is because I know, I know it to be true. But the second is because I also realize it's compelling. It makes a difference. You know, it's so funny that when we, um, when we, we pray before dinner or when we're doing our night prayers, um, in, we usually do it in our bed with the kids. Um, our 18-month-year-old will, um, so we'll all be saying the prayers, and she'll go, uh, 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 she'll mumble, she doesn't know the words yet. She's, she, she can speak in, like, singulars, but she is Johnny on the spot with the amen. And she's like, amen. And, like, we're, but we're all, like, waiting for her to do it. You know, in, in, in other words, and when she does it, we are all like, you know, good girl, or, oh, oh, great, Cecilia. Like, she brightens up and smiles, in other words, um, there's this there's something so amazing about closing a prayer with an amen because you are making the so be it it is true this is real and even an 18 month year she's learning that significance she she's not put it all together yet but it's coming and 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 that amen is going to be so important down the road I definitely agree, and I think that's a great example of a couple of things, one of which is our assent matters. It doesn't determine what's true or what isn't true, but the fact that there's a a bit of real estate, namely this human person with an intellect and a free will, that can either say, yes, I affirm it's true and there are consequences, or no, I don't and there are consequences, is meaningful. The second bit is that that even though you're not sitting down with Cecilia and saying, Cecilia, you know, the human person is always in relation and there's this thing called the church and it, you're teaching her that as y'all pray, when she gives that final assent, your prayer is her prayer. Right. 
That's her right. prayer is a meaningful contribution, and there's a corporate dimension right. that's so easy to overlook. There's a fulfillment, and and she knows it too. She's, I mean, she's like, she's ready for it, and it excites her, and and then it excites us. So there's a beautiful when we affirm truth we affirm something good. And when we affirm something good, something beautiful happens. I mean, that's that's any act of truth is not simply a, a kind of a logical deduction. When we really affirm truth, it should be something to be, it's actually celebrated, you know, and it, it's, it's something beautiful and good. And there's often a, a joyful accompaniment to it such that everybody, you know, we, we, we all have, you know, the, the different children that God's given us, the, the actual biological, the spiritual across the spectrum, but we know what it's like to have the growth of a, of a, of a child. That's right. To be able to, to affirm, to know what it's like to pray for, and to be able to, to instruct too, when, when one of, of our children's having a tough time, like let's say she's very emotional, she's upset, we'll pray for her, but we're not we're not praying in the way that somebody will say, "Will you please say a prayer for me? I'm I'm having surgery." Right. We'll offer prayers that she recognizes. Okay, these are my own prayers. What others do matters. We truly are a corporate, a body in Christ. And that's what I mean. And that's a, a, what we we see in the show today. We see that that prayer dimension during the liturgy of the word is an absolute key dimension. We don't tend to think about that beyond the corporate prayers we have, but there is. Uh, the, there's a huge prayer part component to this um, that we're going to really explore as we begin to break down the parts. So where are we going to go here? All right, we're going to start with with what sacred scripture is, so so what the Bible is, and then we're going to look through the, the different readings that we have in the Mass and see what that theological awareness can kind of bring us to so that at the end of this, we are better prayers, we are better able to, to go through those four steps and to realize that the prayer of the Mass in the Liturgy of the Word is a true act, and it matters whether we're a part of it or not. Right, and, and uh, you know, funny little anecdote, I was in Denver and uh, I was at Mass and um, the priest said, you know, they had a, he had a very good rapport with the, uh, with the congregation and, and the priest said, okay, guys, what's the Bible? And everybody shouts out, basic instructions before leaving earth and i said oh and then he followed up and he said that's right so the bible is just going to give you the commandments and the rules to live by and that's what you need to know and i kind of wanted just to raise my theological hand up and be like father like (laughs) this has been a great mass but this is where you and i are going to have to clarify a couple things because in other words is it true that the, the the bible has commandments um, the Word of God, uh, the laws, the Ten Commandments, Christ's, um, the Christ's great command um, in uh, in the New Testament. Yeah, absolutely. But to reduce what Scripture is to that, um, and, and Todd and I were talking before the break, um, the the idea that it's simply um, it's reduced down to like moral instruction. It, it reduces, I think, what God's plan for Scripture was which is he's going to draw upon all parts of human life, poetry, song, story, narrative, um, and commandments, and moral kind of um, moral pronouncement. That's all part of it because they, because that's all part of our lives. And so scripture, in a sense, has to be a mirror of human life to be lifted and elevated up in grace. In other words, that scripture is not simply basic instructions, that there's something about it that God requires us, in other words, to enter into the mystery 
of his word. And sometimes those words really are mysterious. We don't understand. Sometimes we'll read passages in scriptures. I mean, even forget the Old Testament with like all the old ancient places and, and, and tribes of people. But there are just certain things that, you know, why does Christ make a fig tree get withered? You know, why, why does he like, you know, and like we have to ponder that stuff and say, why, why did you just kill the fig tree? You know, what, what's the deal? What's the deal, Jesus? Um, in, in other words, there's no there's no command and you can't just go, sometimes get to the easy moral of the story. God wants us to think. He wants us to entertain his word and do what Mary does. Bring it in our heart so that it it, 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 it opens us up and, and opens us up to this relationship with God. Right. And we see that the prayer of the mass, the, the movement of the mass, which is not accidental, it's meaningful that the introductory rites, the examination of conscience, the recognition of who God is and that we are not he right? Who God is and that we are not God. We recognize that brings us then to the liturgy of the word and that each of the particular readings has a particular invitation into what what we talked about before is the grand arc of salvation history. The fact that, that God who is in love with us invites us into his fellowship and in a very real sense we are a part of that story. I mean this is our heredity it's what we're given but also that we are incorporated into that and so as we look at the the different movements um, we see that the the first is a, a reading from the old testament where we we hear how god in history engages the person draws the person back into fellowship with god's self and and what that means right like in, you think about in exodus 33 it's one of my favorite passages where um, you know, Moses is having face-to-face encounters with God, and then and then it, the passage changes, and God said, "I will take, I will lift you up off the cleft of the rock and and settle you down, so that you will not see my face, and I shall pass by you." But he literally, but God literally says, "I'm going to pick you up and place you there, shield your eyes, and you will then see the back of my train," and like those beautiful, like in other words, God is tangible. And, 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 and some people say, oh, well, that's just a, you know, that's just kind of a story or that's a whatever. Anthropomorphism. and Right. right. But there, no, there's something about what Moses is relating in this, in the authors of the sacred scripture who've recorded it and passed it down and, and so on and so forth. What Moses is, is saying is that our God doesn't simply, it's not simply this pronouncement from on high. There's a, like, there's a spiritual contact. There's real contact. We think we, all contact has to be physical. But we know that that's actually not true. That you can have spiritual contacts, and that's as real as touching a rock. And in some cases, more real and more fundamental. That's right. That's right. And so, anyways, that's um, the Old Testament has a lot of that, which is like real encounters, as you're saying, with real persons drawing in. But the the, the great people, the Davids, the Moseses, the you know um, Abraham. Uh, Hannah, I mean, men and women who are authentically touched by and then responding to, to God. Right. And, and what I think scripture protects us against is the tendency to think of God in a, a deistic way. You know, deism coming from, you know, from enlightenment thought that, that God kind of sets the world up, becomes apart from it, and then we kind of have to manage things on our own. Right, he cranks the motor, and then we're basically the engine, that, the engine that's running. Right, right. And so, so as theologians, we're, we don't just ask, what, you know, what does the church teach? What is God revealing? And drive deeper into that. But we also, as part of that process, we want to know, okay, how do we know this? 
And as we reflect on on so many of the the teachings, the doctrines of the church, we also then see well, some of this comes from Greek thought, you know, a reflection on the logos, you know, the completely unlimited word, reason, and order of the universe. What Scripture protects us against is thinking of God in these abstract kind of kind of at a distant term, right. and realizing no, this is the personal God who picks Moses up. You know, and, and using this figurative language to be able to communicate not that God does these these particular things in the same way that a daddy would, but that that everything that's contained in a daddy who picks up his child and shields his child is is infinitely even more so present that's right. in what God's done. That's right. Absolutely. It's an invitation to mystery. Right. And and in my, my classes, the way that I, I kind of typify the way that God intervenes and engages the person and draws her in in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, is is by the the prayer, by the actio, the act that comes from reflection on that, which is the the Shema Yisrael, which is the the prayer, uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and you are to love the Lord your God with, in essence, with everything, all your heart, mind, spirit, and strength. That this is the prayer that the the our older brothers and sisters in the faith said before they were martyred for this faith in the one God, the faith of 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 Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, the God who is personally and intimately involved and concerned with their lives. And and and, and from a Christian point of view, from a Christian from our Christian faith, we're also saying that that's Christ being present. So in in, in through the Old Testament. So that's our first reading. And what we're going to do is we're going to on the other side of the break, we're going to unpack the other parts of the reading and the other parts of this of the liturgy of the word to kind of again becoming aware of how is Christ present. This is Lanny at Theology. I'm Dr. Dave Delio. I'm Professor Todd Amick. And we'll see you on the other side. Hey, this is Dr. Daryl Holiday, food science coordinator at the University of Holy Cross, New Orleans. We have the only program in the greater New Orleans metro area when offer bachelor's degrees in food science, food business, and culinology. Come learn the skills needed to excel in today's industry with a national average salary $90,000. Scholarships are available. Our classes are offered in hybrid formats, which means both in-person and online. We believe food science education is done best through hands-on learning in real-world situations. Our programs not only offer scientific theory, but prepares you to excel in the food industry or pursue a variety of other careers. If you have any questions, please visit our website at uhcno.edu forward slash food science or contact me at 504-398-2112 or email dholiday at uhcno.edu. This is Dr. Dave Delio back with Todd Amick. We are uh, we're on the other side of our break with Lanyap Theology, and we've been talking today about the Liturgy of the Word, becoming theologically aware um, while we're in this second movement of the liturgy or the Mass that we attend on Sundays or during the, during the week. And um, what we want to, we, we, we finished talking, I thought we had a great kind of talk about what is Scripture, and then especially what is our, what's happening in our first readings? What, you know, what is the Old Testament about? And not only finding kind of who God is, what God is doing, but we, we I left off with that kind of the last the last line of, and Christ is somehow present. The Christ, the Word, is present even there. So it's not like we have to wait for Jesus to show up in the New Testament to even begin to engage in Christ. 
he is speaking through that scripture. He is present. I mean, all the church fathers would say that everything, every reading we read in scripture, we're trying to encounter the word of God. And so we, we, we always in mass, we have two movements or two readings from the Old Testament. The first is our first reading. Second is our Psalms. Right, and, and so we see that the, the Son is present, you know, as is the Holy Spirit present, you know, throughout throughout all of God's loving intervention and, and inviting us in. So in the in the Old Testament, you know, certainly we're we're aware of that movement, we're aware of that action. But then in the responsorial psalm, we're invited in a profound way to to reflect on the mystery of the Trinity made present, but also then to realize the way that that if if liturgy is liturgy, and we think liturgy, we should think of a public act uh, of or or on if for the benefit of others, right? So, so on behalf of, of, of others, that, that this is an actio, this is an action that God in himself is engaged in, the Father and the Son, the love between them, the Holy Spirit. And as we enter into that, the responsorial psalm in particular invites us to realize, okay, well, what is my contribution? And how does my contribution in almost like an ecstasy take me out of myself? Because psalms in a sense were meant to be sung, but are all psalms kind of happy, joyful songs? I mean, are they like, uh, are they Whitney Houston songs? Or are they, uh, are they <laughs> is there something else going on? I mean, because I, I, when I read Psalms, or when, and especially when I hear Psalms, there's a, a range of emotions. There's a range of, of praise and laments and, and things happening there. Right, and, and certainly what that range reflects is the range of human experience and human emotions. You know, we have that, that certainly that entire range there. And I think maybe what we have a tendency to do sometimes is to either bracket off or to gloss over some of the difficult ones, not realizing that, you know, the, the, the term for some of the, the, uh, some of the Psalms, the deprecatory Psalms, the ones that, that talk about things such as the, the desire and the prayer that Lord, you know, that you would dash their children against the stones, the subtext, the historical subtext being the way they dashed ours. Right. Right. So a desire for revenge and 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 this invitation, this movement, something that's helped me to to enter into that prayer and to appreciate it and hopefully not to gloss over it or to bracket them out is to realize that that this is a true prayer, which is to say it incorporates us and every aspect and every part of our lives into this conversation and this communion with God. You know, there, there, there are times when we're kind of at the top of the heap and the prayer is always one of, of thanksgiving and joy. And, and, and of course, you know, we have, we have uh, different, uh, different groups that have kind of perverted and brought prayer away, you know, such as the prosperity gospel. And, you know, if you're blessed, you're on the top of the heap. And if you're not, you're not. And yet, what the Catholic faith certainly embraces is that there is a, a range of emotions, all of which are appropriate to then bring to prayer. That's right. And, and you know, one of the things that I wanted to I want to kind of enter in here, because a lot of people, I think, are, uh, and if I'm thinking of my own personal experience, I would kind of bracket out the Old Testament stuff, and because uh, I'm waiting for the message from the New Testament, because there's something, as Christians, that seems very more appro- uh, approachable. In the New Testament, both you know um, Paul's great sayings in Corinthians and Romans, or or just the Gospels where we encounter Jesus. But one thing I, I you know, we we've been talking about becoming theologically aware in, requires at least in in in, in, a, in a large sense being in a prayerful kind of repose or a prayerful attitude, being open to kind of, again, what prayer is, which is a dialogical encounter. Which you know, you're really trying to encounter 
God um, or, or the persons of God. And um, one thing I would just say is this, um, just a, a kind of a practical piece of advice. When you're listening to the Old Testament, don't try to bracket out or just say, man, that, that sounds weird or those names are strange or, boy, that's a difficult thing to hear. Like, what about this, you know, smashing kids on rocks? It is not, what we tend to do is we just kind of kind of isolate and throw that away and be like, well, I'm going to wait for the, the thing that makes sense for me. I always want the takeaway thing. Or I'll get back to it never. Right, right, right. <laughs> on the other side of never. And and, and my, my thing is do the diff- do the opposite of that. Embrace it. The things that challenge you, the things that sound weird, the things that sound confusing, bring that into your, become aware of it, perceive it, then try to seek understanding. In other words, don't put those things away in the, in, in the kind of the, the darkened basement, but actually bring it up into the light of your mind and, and wonder about it, pause on it. Why would that be there? Why would they be saying that? And you may have to go seek an answer. You may have to go, you know, find, you know, go talk to your priest, go talk to a theologian, give us a call at the University of Holy Cross. Do what you do what you can do to try to unpack the meaning, knowing that God's word is infallible and there's something that God wants you, in a sense, to know about him. And realize that our brothers and sisters in the faith have been doing this since the first moment, since the first encounter with God. What does this mean? How do I understand this? What does this mean for me as a person? How does it define me? How does it invite me into communion with him? And I think this leads us in a pretty natural way to the next reading, um, which is going to be the, the second reading, typically an epistle, you know, which is the, the church wrestling with what God has revealed. That's right. And so what I would certainly recommend is that if we have an epistle from from Paul or any of the other any of the other letters, any of the other epistles that you you become aware of and this is where sometimes prior preparation is helpful, you become aware of what aspect of the tradition, what aspect of sacred scripture is this theologian, this inspired theologian appealing to right to be able to then make sense of it when you start to see how how these these masters which are all imperfect masters, right? We fumble through. This is the messy bit. This is the lanyard bit. How they've wrestled with what God has revealed, that gives us a model. And what we realize also is that in as much as we're, we're, we're incorporated in the body of Christ, they are truly there present to help us through this process. That's right. And, and you know, um, Todd and I were talking about earlier when I was saying, uh, you know, sometimes I, I, I sometimes even, even myself, you're, you're just kind of sitting through the readings and you're letting the lectors do their thing or the, the uh, you know, the cantor go through the psalm. And then you're waiting for the priest to get up and do the gospel. Sometimes we're even waiting for the gospel to get done so the priest can get to his homily. Speed bumps before the homily. That's right. Because we, w- we want someone to kind of like do it for us. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not what the, the homily is meant to do. What, what we're trying to do with the scripture is how do you become aware of what's going on, even when you a don't understand or you're confused, or or if it's something that like that's not what I'm looking for this week. Like I'm in this place in life. I don't want to hear Paul about talking about the unity of the body of Christ because, frankly, I'm not interested in that. I'm 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 preoccupied with these problems over here. And my thing is, slow it down, take the time to actually pay attention to the words. Even when you got kids crawling in your lap and, you know, the person in front of you is coughing up a lung and, 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 and all of these things are happening, try to seize prayerfully on one word or phrase, either something that excites you, that interests you, or disturbs you or challenges you. But in each moment of the, the Old Testament, the first reading, Psalm, 
epistle, and gospel, make it your own. Then let the homily do what the homily is supposed to do. And David, it sounds like what you're describing too is what in the tradition we've called Lectio Divina. You know, the, the, the divine reading, the, the prayer of the Word of God. That's right. I mean, in, in other words, what I'm saying is what we do, what we can do physically and orally at Mass, you can do on your own. You can do it with your Magnificat. You can do it with your, with your Bible. Or if you, I get the Daily Gospel online, so I open up every morning in my inbox and in, in, in email, and I go through it that way. Dave, kind of walk us through the steps of, of Lectio. What, what are the very practical steps? You know, people at home have a Bible, or everybody's got, you know, something online. They can, they can go to Bible Gateway or some other source. Right. Bam, you open up a part of the Gospel. Let's just say the daily readings. Let's right. say you begin with the daily readings. Go. First thing is you can you can find that we actually have a beautiful section on Lexio Divina in the Catechism if you have access to that. But if not, and the Catechism's online as well. The Catechism's online. That's right. So so um, what I would say is what you want to do is you want to prayerfully read it, and I would say out loud. Okay, so you're going to hear the words. You're hearing the Word of God. Very sacramental, important. So you're speaking and hearing at the same time. Speaking and hearing at the same time. That's right. Reading slowly. Mm -hmm. Okay? But what you're going to try to do is allow a word or phrase to come meet you. And you're going to, in a sense, begin to focus on that and concentrate on that. So what you want to do is begin to concentrate. But don't do anything yet. Get all the way through the reading. Let that word. But then what you want to do is meditate. Meditatio, okay? Which is what we've been talking about, understanding. So you're going to start to let that ring through. What does this mean? Or why, why did that word, of all words today, or that phrase, jump out at me? And, and what you want to do is then you want to prayerfully reflect on it. So you're going to meditate on it. You're going to reflect. In other words, start to t- try to, to understand the meanings of it. And eventually you want to, the, the last piece of it is you want to kind of let it silently come into your heart. And that's what we would call contemplation. You want to open yourself because what you're really getting at is not simply you're not tr- striving for an intellectual meaning. You're actually trying to use this as a way to listen to God and how he's gonna to speak to you in your life. And what we're saying is you can do this publicly at Mass or you can do it privately on your on your own. Or the, the private certainly would then feed the public. That's right, absolutely. If you do this daily, you'll be amazed what happens at Mass. And what I, I think is interesting too is that you're, you, we need to be aware, and in my classes, I noticed that in, in instructing the students on prayer, a number of them had questions uh, that, that dealt a lot with contemplation, with meditation, and what I had to remind them of, and it was almost like an epiphany was, remember in prayer, you're, you're the responding party. party. There, there are at least two engaged here, and you're the responding party, which I think brings us to the, the preparation for the gospel, that we offer a gospel acclamation, we affirm who God is, and in the process who we are, we then hear the gospel which is to say the fulfillment, the perfection of all of the promises, as you mentioned earlier, that every promise points forward to Christ. The fathers affirm, affirm, affirm that everything is oriented to Christ and our incorporation then in Christ into the dynamic of God's own love, which then brings us to the point where we can make a true act of faith and say, I offer in the profession of faith or the credo that I believe. That's right. I mean, in other words, that when when, when the priest offers his his dial his dialogue with us to speak to us with us through the homily it's leading us to this capstone moment this i mean this is in other words the first half of the mass this is this is 
the, the it's it's both the ending but the beginning of something new when we profess the creed when we really kind of talk about the truths of our faiths and it's a call to conversion as pope benedict would say right and i think we see these these four parts engaging and moving we're moving to the decision point where i say i have a profound sense that this is true and now my oxio, my act at this point is, and I'm not going out to do something, I'm reigning, remaining right here, and I'm saying, Lord, I believe. And seeking to become aware. So um, this is, uh, I think this is a great place for us to end. Um, this is, uh, today we focused on the liturgy of the word, and we, uh, I think that we're really getting to that place of talking about theological awareness. Right, and I think a, a good bit of homework, if you will, might be at this point to say, over the next week, go ahead and look at the readings of the Mass. Look at them online, look at them in something like the Magnificat, engage in Lectio, and then see how that facilitates, how it helps the prayer of the Mass. This has been Lanyap Theology. I'm Dr. Dave Delio from the University of Holy Cross. I'm Professor Todd Amen. And it's been a pleasure being with you. Lanyap Theology is a production of Catholic Community Radio.